Hey everyone, thank you for being patient with me. I know it has been a minute since I've dropped an episode. If you listen to the update, then you know exactly what's going on. I've just been so busy. But today, I'm so excited to share my episode with Sajid from Books Are My Social Life, a Trini booktuber. I'm so happy to have some Trini representation on this podcast finally. And I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this episode. We get into so many different topics. We talk about book two. We talk about things that are going on in Trinidad. We talk about capitalism. We talk about all of it. So I'm happy to share this episode with y'all. We have two episodes left of the season before I take a break to go plan season two. Thank you so much for streaming and tuning in every single time I upload. So now let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Devin Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Devin, aka Devin Too Woke. Today, we have someone who I've been following, actually been following you for like about a year or two now. Really? Yes, which is, which I'm so excited because I can't wait to get into the booktuber and get into all that stuff and also get into some Trini life. I just need some refreshment here because... This pandemic really threw me for a fucking loop, okay? I was headed to Trinidad this year. Like, I was like, I'm going to Trinidad. I'm going to go visit my my people. And then this pandemic said, oh, bitch, you thought um, you're going to stay your ass right here in New Jersey. So just, uh, just a whole and bunch of things. I had, like, I had like five trips planned. No, like four trips planned. This was the first time that ever happened to me. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be trotting the globe in 2020. And then March came around and was like, nope, never mind. Oh, yes. And then we're also going to get into you being in school during this pandemic, which I find is you are so because I graduated this year during the pandemic. So I don't know how it was like to continue right. Congratulations. on. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know how it was like to continue education in quarantine. So I'm definitely going to be asking you questions about that. So what was some of your highs and your lows for the month? For the month of December? Well, for within the last month, November, December. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'd say the major low is um, I have just been in like a major life slump. I, ha- I just have, I don't have the motivation or discipline to do anything yeah. over the past like month or so. Um, I had my first graduate seminar, which was a lot of prep work. I had to write a yeah. 10,000 word paper. I had to do a presentation summarizing the paper and there was a lot of pressure and it went well, thank God. But after that, I was like, I don't want to do anything for the rest of the damn year. Um, So I haven't read a book since then. It's been about a month or so since I finished a book. I am like a booktube fraud at this point. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess that's the major low. The major high is um, I've been taking the time to kind of just relax and uh work on myself which is something that i haven't really done like i was gonna say all year but all my life really so (laughs) i've been kind of taking the time to to work on me and then you know taylor swift came and was like hey here's an album another one and i enjoyed that so you know that was a highlight too i guess There's really no need for you to read any books after you just fucking wrote one. A, th- a 10,000 words. 
Yeah, 10,000 words. <laughs> you know the what? The funny thing is that the recommended word limit is six to seven, but I am uh, overachiever. so long-winded. <laughs> no, I'm long-winded. I can't, I can't summarize things. Like, I, I, just, I was writing and writing, and I was like, okay, I'm halfway done, and I'm looking at the word limit, and I'm like, I'm at like 5,000 words already. Wait, what? <laughs> well, I just, I'm doing my master's in gender studies. Um, so I actually kind of want to go into academia and I kind of want to go into the field of gender. Like that's, that's what I like. Academia. Oh Lord bless you. Ooh. I know. I I just, it's like, so, you know, I just, I feel really bad for me. (laughs) I I feel really bad for educators because I don't feel like you guys get the respect that y'all deserve. Or the even the pay no. wage that y'all deserve, y- y- y'all have to deal with a lot. As no. <laughs> y'all have to deal with a lot. So <laughs> I'm happy that there's people that are out there that still want to be an educator, still want to participate in academia because we still need those people that have the passion for it. But it's like yeah. y'all need to get paid more. Y'all need to have more respect in your name. You guys need more safety. Like it's it's ridiculous for educators out here, especially of color. Listen, yeah, listen. I told my mom I was like, you know. You love me, so I'll be living with you for a very long time. So don't get, you know. I think she's okay with it, but it's like, you know, it, it is hard and, and academia is, you really have to be passionate about it. You really have to love what you're doing to, to really want to do it. It can't, you know, you can't go in. It's not a field that you could go into with the desire of having a very lucrative job. I mean, that could happen, yeah. right? But, like, you have to be really passionate about the content that you're actually engaging with and teaching. Yeah, that's true. Is your parents strict? No, they're not. I mean, I mean, they're, like, Muslims from the Caribbean. So, yes. But, like, um, they're not overbearing, I, I would say. And I'm grateful for that. Like oh, they, they, they completely allow me to do what I want to do in terms of education. They never put any kind of pressure on me or anything like that. But um, my dad is very cool, but my mom is a bit more of the like authoritarian type who, you know, just kind of manages everything. But I'm fortunate enough to ha- not have super toxic, like overly strict parents. But my mom is still considerably strict. <laughs> I always find training parents interesting because you kind of get like, either one or the other <laughs> for me is like you get like some of the laid back ones or you get a very strict one my dad is the training one i have and... two. Oh yeah both so you have the combination of both <laughs> yeah, yeah my dad is a laid back like do whatever you want just you know don't die kind of parents <laughs> and my mother is like i need to know where you are what you're doing at all times every day i don't care if you're like 23 you need to like you know <laughs> you're still my child yeah my dad is the trini one and he is very much like laid back i feel like that's a lot of fathers to be honest like they're just so he's just mm-hmm. so laid back i just do whatever i want he passed me a shandy at like 10 years old he was like here here you go like <laughs> stuff like that so, <laughs> <laughs> so love cool that you love them yes shout out to shout out to dads <laughs> not a lot of people could say that <laughs> not, a people, yeah. not a lot of people yeah. want to say that so yeah, yeah. shout out to the dads so we kind of talked about your year a little bit and you got to talk about uh, reflection. What was one of your biggest uh, reflections that you had this year? Hmm. Oh, wow. Men are trash. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, 
<laughs> I mean, it's always been a, ref a reflection, but like this year, especially, I mean, I, I was thinking about, um, so last week I had the privilege of helping organize a uh, demonstration in Port of Spain, the capital city. Yes. And um, it was, um, it was to kind of speak back against violence against women in Trinidad and um, around 20 something women died this year in intimate partner violence or men murdering them and it, it's really it might not sound like a lot but for a small country you know it no is, that's a lot um, yeah it's a lot right so you know it, it was just and years before it was more like one day i think we had 40 something it, it's a really terrible thing that happens and um you know it's just the the kind of responses that we get from men and there was this guy the attorney general went and made very, you know, disparaging remarks against a young woman in my area, actually, who was murdered just a couple of weeks ago. Um, a, a girl, she was like 18, right? Right. And she was murdered by a family. Sorry, I should have like said a trigger warning for anybody listening, but um, she was murdered by a family friend. <laughs> and the response from, you know, somebody who's like a leader in the government is just so disgusting. And, you know, you know, men like to complain that, you know, people say that men are trash, but it's like. You're kind of proving the point. <laughs> you know, what was that meme with, with um, Tiffany Pollard? She was like, look at the material. You could be the judge right. of it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not to make light of it, but, you know, that's. It's facts. It's facts. Yeah, so I mean, it's been on my mind a lot this year, not just like in terms of violence and stuff, but just in terms of the over, the the overall behavior um, of men in our society. It's it's really, it's not good. It's not nice. Um, it's not. I've been literally screaming from the rooftop since this damn podcast started. I said, these men are trash, period. <laughs> <laughs> they're garbage yeah. <laughs> i've been saying that since the beginning and people have been looking at me like well Devin, well Devin, well aren't you and i was like don't include me in that nonsense okay i'm not a part of that yeah but i think I, it yeah I, I don't know i was just gonna say i think it's different for a lot of queer men i mean queer men could be trash too right but like, oh I oh think, for sure <laughs> yeah but i think for us it's very different and for you know like I prefer to think of myself as gender non-conforming. So like whenever I speak of yeah. men, I speak of them as a completely different species yeah. from me. <laughs> you understand. You understand. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I like to identify as non-conforming too. So whenever I address men, is I'm I'm mainly addressing cishet men. And yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, y'all are a lot of y'all are just really um garbage because the way that y'all treat <laughs> the way that y'all treat women the way that y'all treat uh trans people the way that you treat uh queer yes. people you're supposed to be at the front lines of the community the protectors this is the role that you kind of gave yourself and that's which patriarchy didn't come from women you know what i mean uh yeah. sexism didn't come from women it came from y'all men this is stuff that y'all have put put front so designed. we are have designed so we are expecting y'all to have respect for everyone else but no, that that's not the case. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. it's I mean, been... I think there's hope. I think there's hope in terms of like you know, people people are changing. You know, a lot of activists and and organizers and writers have been making a difference. But wow, it's still such a huge problem, you know. And um, I I don't like to say men are trash in a formal setting, so I wouldn't like you know, 
if I have to like make a speech or a presentation, I wouldn't be like, well, oh boy, <laughs> according have... to so and so, 2019 men are trash. <laughs> but when like, I it, tell it, you that I have done so many cl- school presentations and I said these men are garbage, still, <laughs> still got my degree, so it was worth it. Oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, but outside of like all of uh, all of the stuff that's going on, like in the country and stuff, when it comes to men, what what really just bothers me is just when it comes to men of color, people who have been oppressed, people who know what oppression feels like, to still apply that onto others, and it's like this oppression Olympics, this bullshit social hierarchy that is here. It, it really it bothers me so much, and. You know, I have, of course, I have the American perspective of it. And I'm like, okay, let's ready. Like, let's throw, let's throw this whole entire country out. Let's restart and throw this bitch out. But I want to know, I'm curious how it is in Trinidad. Because, of course, obviously, I, I never lived in Trinidad. So I already know how it is in, in the Caribbean when it comes to a lot of different topics. But, yeah, just tell me what, what's going on over there. How's, how's that discussion like? Um, I mean, it's... It- it's it's a pretty frustrating discussion. I mean, I would say it's, I mean, when you talked about like, you know, oppression Olympics and it's like, especially from people who are oppressed, I think it actually almost makes sense in a way because I think for a lot of men, um, you know, when they experience that kind of, when they experience, you know, their own masculinity being threatened or being, um, you know, just, yeah like that's that's how they retaliate so it's like maybe you're poor maybe you know you don't have a maybe you haven't achieved a lot in life and then here you have this woman in your life who's telling you what to do or who's you know making you know a name for herself and i think that's what encourages a lot of men not just here but like globally to be violent right it's a kind of insecurity thing right and it's a, a way of kind of reclaiming that power as for the difference in the discussion down here um i would say Huh. I, I, I don't, I don't really, I can't really think of like any major difference because I think fundamentally it's the same thing, right? It's sexism. Right, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So it, there, obviously there are some differences in terms of culture, but I think the conversations that we have down here are more specific to like our environment. So um, last year, uh, so I go to the University of the West Indies, St. Augustine campus, UWE for short. Yes, shout and, to you. Um, Yes. So we started, so there's this thing called catcalls of NYC on Instagram and it kind of like spread across the world. So people were doing catcalls of Paris, catcalls of Bangkok, catcalls all over. So last year we started um, at my department, IGDS, a a group of undergrads that we mentor called IGDS Ignite. We started a campaign called catcalls of UWE. And because a lot of girls on campus have been complaining about being harassed, uh, about being assaulted. You know, there were cases of girls being raped on campus, right? Which is mm. something that is very prevalent across universities across the world. So yes, um, yes. we didn't know exactly what kind of response we were going to get when we started it. It was just basically like the first couple of messages that we chalked on the ground on campus were just stuff that people in our group had experienced. Um, and then when we posted it on Instagram, we got an influx of messages and DMs. And I'm not a woman, so I've never experienced these things firsthand. So for me to see how much girls on campus, like at this point, there's probably hundreds, right, of oh girls DMing us their stories. 
of being like, uh, if not hundreds, dozens, right? Like girls DMing us their stories of being harassed, being assaulted, being, um, you know, chased into the bathroom by boys who they thought were their friends oh and all kind goodness. of stuff. And, and then when we were publishing these stories, people were so shocked because none of this gets talked about, right? Mm-hmm. The only one, the reason why we started it was because of one particular incident where a girl was actually stabbed. She's, she's alive now. I think she's well, but like when she was attacked by this guy, she was also stabbed. Right. And so that they couldn't hide that or cover it up. So after that, when we started, we realized that this is a lot more common that we, than we think it is. And then there's levels to it. We tend to think that, you know, there's only, you know, the big problems is like if a girl get raped, if a girl get, gets raped or stabbed or something like that. But it's down to the little things, the harassment, girls being harassed by security guards, right? Yeah. Other students, male staff members. It's a ridiculously common thing on campus. <clears throat> um, and I think... Um, what it kind of illustrates is that, you know, this problem exists. It's very ubiquitous. It's very common, but it doesn't get talked about or we don't pay attention to it or we don't think of it as a problem. And um, as soon as we started posting things, as soon as we started talking about it, the backlash was immediate. Like, Ooh. oh, well, why are you dressing like that if all you don't want man to call all you out or something like that? Oh, goodness so, gracious. So, yeah, no, so the victim blaming and stuff like that. So. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what I think is like the major difference between here and America. Like, I can't think of it right now, but I think I think a lot of the conversation is very similar in the sense that, you know, it, it's 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 the same thing. It's sexism. It's victim blaming. It's you know, male entitlement. Um, it's just that we have different ways of talking about it. So, like when the Me Too movement was. Um, going on um, globally, you could see. Yeah, um, yeah. In the Caribbean, there was a movement that started that was kind of along the same lines called Life in Leggings. Mm. Um, and that was started by uh, Ronel King, who's from Barbados, and it kind of spread across the region. And uh, that was also kind of like women from the Caribbean kind of um, like you know, sharing their experiences of sexual harassment. And just like Cat Calls of UE, it was this really eye-opening um, thing where it's like, you know, you don't hate... Like, so many women, so many women started coming out with stories of being harassed and sharing for the first time. And it, it was such an eye-opening experience, especially to people like me who had never experienced any of these things before. Right? I'm very privileged in the sense that I'm not a woman who has to, you know, use public transport and travel around right, and right. around the place. Right. And so I don't have to experience that on a day to day basis, but it was very eye opening to see how prevalent this issue is and how much we we just excuse it. Like it's almost like an it's almost seen as like an inevitable thing at this point. But right? it could easily like but it I'll, could be fixed. Like all you have to do is really ed- first educate yourself. <laughs> number one. Yeah. Well also checking the behavior that you are projecting out to people like like uh, I can never really wrap my head around um, the mistreatment of women because, like, you wouldn't want that shit done to yourself. So why would you do that onto women? But then it also goes to show, like, mm-hmm. these people really don't have respect for women or even femme beings in general, feminine beings. Yeah. Period. Like, people just do not have respect. I would, I would, I recommend to you and anybody else, like, um, you know, to follow cat at catcalls of UE on Instagram and Twitter as well as life and leggings um they all have social media um i could probably send it to you after different 
uh, feminist organizations and stuff like that. Um, and there you'll definitely get a lot more insight as to what's happening regionally surrounding these conversations. So let's talk about BookTube. So let me tell, let me tell you how I found you. So you know the singer Amory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was, she's, a big, she's a booktuber, and she's doing very well for herself on booktube, too. I think yeah. better, better than her music career within the last couple of years, child. And um, you were in the recommendations of one of her videos, and I was like... I was? Yeah, you was. You was in recommendations. Hey, Marie recommended me? <laughs> no, no, she didn't recommend you. Like, YouTube recommended you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was, I was going to, like, freak out. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, that would have been that would be cool. That would be cool. That would have been really cool because I love her. And like I used to try to like comment on all her videos to get her to notice me so I could be her friend, but she hasn't noticed me yet. Listen, YouTube noticed you and you were recommended. Like it was her video and the year video was coming up next. And I was like, Oh, a person of color doing booktube. Mind you, I don't read. I'm not I don't read, but I like hearing people's opinions on books. So I was like, Yes. So then I heard, then I saw your video and I heard that accent and I said, wait, hold up. <laughs> I said, hold the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I stand. Yeah. So I've been subscribed to you ever since. Um, so I'm curious, what Aww. made you want to start BookTube? Um, well, a year before I started BookTube, I was like you, I never used to read. I hated reading. Yeah. Not because I was associated with the school and I always hated school. So um, it wasn't until I went to this uh, Muslim children's orphanage home in Central and Mm -hmm. they had a fundraiser going on and I went to help um, some of my aunts because they were selling, they were selling like sweets and like food and stuff at one of the tents. So after I helped them, I walked around and I saw that they were selling books. And they had Nancy Drew books. And I was like, well, this is a white girl. You know, I didn't care that much about it. And my cousin was like, you should buy it. They're cheap. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not going to read that. And he was like, you should buy it and read it just for the fun of it and see what happens. And that little white girl changed my life. You know, <laughs> I owe it all to Miss Nancy Drew. <laughs> uh, she, is, she, she, she could claim anything from me. Uh, I read like four Nancy Drew books and I was like, oh my God, this reading thing is fun. Why didn't you read four them? books? Four yeah, Nancy Drew books? In, in a, a week? week? I mean, they're only like a hundred pages long. They're really short and they're for kids, right? Oh, so I, right. I, I ate them up and I was like, this is fun. This is fun. I want to keep doing this. And then I started like borrowing books from my school library and maybe just a month into my new reading craze, I started looking up books on YouTube and that's how I discovered BookTube. And um, I was like, who are all these white people talking about books? Oh my God, this is so much fun, (laughs) right? And so about a year later, I felt like I really want to do this too because I didn't have any friends in real life who loved reading as much as I did. And the ones that I did have who loved reading as much as I did, they weren't necessarily interested in the same books as me. And I was like, I need, a, I need an outlet, you know? So <laughs> I was like, you know what? If all these other people could be uploading videos from their bedroom, filmed on their phone, I could do it too. And I've been doing it. I started it in 2015. So that was like a year after I started reading for fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and my life changed forever. Um, it's been oh. it's been like five and a half years now. Damn. Uh, I haven't stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to consistency. That's great. 
Yeah, it's it, it's great. And um, you know, from the very beginning of it, I felt like okay, there weren't a lot of like people of color on booktube for sure that's one thing but even within people of color most of them are american or british or stuff like that so i felt like i could offer a unique perspective as like a muslim uh indian from the caribbean who you know there's not there's pretty much like maybe like one other person i could say on booktube who's like me and she doesn't even upload anything anymore so like you know i think that there's a there's you know there was there were gaps to be filled and i was like i could fill that gap yes i love that you kind of just said listen i'm going to make room for my damn self i love that yeah i love that so much your video yeah booktube is it is so interesting because like i said i don't really read that much but when you hear other people's perspectives on the book it's just like wow like this is really you learn a lot like you Mm -hmm. you you learn so much you take in so much more and especially with the books that you read a lot of them being a people of color or you know some books that might include queer couples or queer people in there like your perspective is educating other people so they may not know they may not have read the book but you are addressing topics that the books is addressing so people are still learning so you are really you're really are an educator you're already in academia you don't even have your certification yet isn't that great (laughs) (laughs) i mean you said it not me Yeah, do this when you are uh, when you're doing your when you're presenting your thesis. I'm an informal educator, I guess. Yes, (laughs) I I love your video where you said that you don't read books from white men, and I know that a lot of people when they read the title they're going to be like, "What?" But when you watch the video, you really give some great solid points, and you're basically just saying like, "This what these people are saying do not intrigue me." Like I like reading books that are you know basically something that i could relate to or things that intrigue me so it really wasn't like fuck these white men in their books it's more like this is that just doesn't intrigue me honestly anything from yeah. a white perspective don't intrigue me because i'm like i'm at the point now where i really want to <laughs> be able to <laughs> i really want to be able to like hear and see myself in the stuff that i'm consuming so what, tell me about the reaction of that video, because I already know. I, I can already sense it. It was, it was very interesting. I mean, I actually made a video recently about the reaction to not really that video, but to me expressing that sentiment, mm-hmm. which is it's not coming from a place of hating white people. I don't have the energy in me to hate white people. Right? <laughs> um, you know, I think white people are fine. I just, I just talked about, you know, Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga, right? You know? Yeah, right. So right. I'm not like anti-white or anything. It's just that, you know, when you grow up watching TV and, you know, you're constantly consuming white media, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the most amount of diversity I ever had growing up was freaking That's a Raven or, you know, Proud Family or something like that, right? So I... I, I never had, I never, like, most of the shows that I ever watched was, like, white people. Most of the things that I ever consumed were, like, white people, white Americans, right? Um, so when I started reading and I started joining BookTube, I was reading what was popular. And I started to realize that I was only reading books by white people again. You know, it's just white people, white people, white people. And that's the books that get the most um, promotion. That's the books that are pushed in your face. That's the books that are most published. So... I was like, okay, I kind of need to dial back. Because if you just read everything that's set in front of you, 
if you just read everything that's promoted, if you just read everything that's published, you're going to be reading majority white stories. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you don't actually make an effort to, to seek out something different, you're going to mostly be reading white stories. So I kind of told myself, okay, I need to do better and I need to make a better effort to read books by people of color. Um, and then it came to a point where I was only reading books by people. Like, I can't point out a single one of these books that are by a white person to you right now. Maybe like <laughs> one or two, right? Yeah. And there's at least a hundred books behind me. So like it had gotten to the point where, okay, I kind of need to express this. I want people to know exactly why it is that I read what I read. Um, I read these books not because not to exclude white people, but to include everybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I read these books because I'm interested, like I'm doing gender studies, right? I just talked about my degree and stuff like that. And my thesis is focused on um, Islam and Muslim men in Trinidad and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's like my area of interest. I like books that deal with gender and race and religion and faith and sexuality. And uh, white men are not really writing about those things no. with the kind of nuance that I want, right? I mean, if one day I feel like I want to read like a, a basic mystery novel or uh, like a self-help book or something, then maybe I might pick up something by a white man, right? right, um, right. And it's like, my main point in that video is that what you read is indicative of what you're interested in. If you're interested in things like race, culture, faith, if you're interested in like global South issues, if you're interested in, you know, those types of things, you're not really going to be reading books by white men. But if you're interested in reading like self-help books, how to get rich in five days, that kind of stuff, then you're mostly going to be reading white men. And there's right. nothing wrong with either one of those things, right? It's right. about what you're interested in as a reader. And people were so angsty about it they were like <laughs> so you're reading in an I, somebody told me I, that i'm reading in an ideological bubble because i i'm you know i'm not reading objectively i'm reading based on race and i'm like but y'all don't read objectively either right yeah. because the same people who would say you're not reading objectively or you're reading in an ideological bubble are also just reading white people so which one of us is really being more objective here Right. I, I don't understand, right? And it's like and it's not about reading objectively. Nobody could read objectively. Because reading objectively means you'll just read whatever book it, you know, it comes in front of you. And nobody reads like that. You'll read what you're interested in. So if you're interested in reading sci fi alone, you're only going to be reading sci fi. And nobody would tell like a white man reading books by white reading sci fi books by white men that he's not reading objectively enough because he's not reading diverse or he's not reading different genres, right? Right, right. But like you tell that to me because I am explicitly out here challenging what everybody else is doing, right? Which is reading predominantly white people and then they'd read one popular book by a black author or by a brown author to, you know, get their diversity quota in and, you know, so that they could be educated on issues, right? Um, like, and then... But but when I'm when these are all of the books that I'm reading, suddenly I'm not reading objectively and I'm reading according to race and I'm biased and I'm like we're all biased. We and all have our even agendas. if you were like there's there's no issue with that because you are a exactly. person of color and you are exactly. a minority. So if I want to read books that you know pertain that I relate to more, then there's no problem with that. People, yeah. I, it's just like common sense kind of just goes out the window when it comes to. Um, the consumption of of like different outlets or mediums like people just 
they just feel as though that you should just be listening and just inclusive, including everything. But that's not how the world works. Like that's not how consuming um, art or consuming a different mediums work. Like you're going to go to what appeals to you. Like exactly. me, for, like when it comes to music, right? Like obviously I like R&B music and I love hip hop music. That's the shit that I grew up with. That's the shit that's a part mm-hmm. of my culture. Um, I like listening to Calypso and Soka music because that's the shit that's part of my culture. That's yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if I want to go out and go listen to a Taylor Swift or a Lady Gaga, not a problem. But I might more likely relate to the black artist more, which is fine. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Fine. And, that's, and that's the point, right? And it's like if somebody comes up to you and say, well, you're not listening to music objectively and you're listening to music in an ideological bubble because, you know, you know why aren't you listening to more Taylor Swift or more Shakira or more this right. one and that one and the other? And it's like, it's not... It's not that you're trying to exclude them because they're white, right? But you have a specific interest. You're looking for something in your music. So you go towards that and there's nothing wrong with that. Just like if you only wanted to listen to Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga, right? Because they are providing what you're looking for musically, right? Like there's nothing wrong with going to that specific set of music or that specific... Like for me, like people always make fun of me for this, but I don't really listen to a lot of Caribbean music. I probably know more like Taylor Swift than I know Calypso. <laughs> so, <laughs> I probably Listen. know more Lady Gaga than I know Soka. <laughs> so. Listen, I'm not going to say that publicly because I know for a fact I got family listening to this. So I'm going to just be like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, your family is going to like hate me. But the thing is, it's like, it's yeah. not that I hate <laughs> those genres or anything, but it's just like, you know, you have your specific taste in what you're looking for yeah, and the exactly, kind of exactly. you're consuming, right? So I don't even, like, somebody might even be compelled to say that this white person is racist because they're only reading books by white people. I wouldn't go that far. I would just be like, they're just reading what they want to read. Yeah. And if they're not reading diversely, like, that's their problem. You know, that's, the, that, that's on them. For me, like, we would love for them like, to do that so they could, like, open up their horizons yeah, and educate themselves. Exactly, but... I would love... I'm not losing sleep over you not reading nobody that's black or, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing too, right? So whenever people, the same people who react to me, they get defensive because I think people think that I'm trying to judge them for their reading choices. When it's not that, I am trying to explain my reading choices. So I'm trying to tell you why I like to read books by people of color, why I like to read books by people from the Caribbean, why I like to read books by, by Muslim authors. Like I'm explaining that to you and i'm explaining why i don't read as much books from white people because i don't want to fall into the trap of only reading books by white people and i think people get defensive because they maybe there's a kind of guilt i don't know what it is but it's like is he trying to tell me that i i'm not reading diversely enough or that i'm racist because i'm only reading white people and it's like that's not what i'm trying to tell you that's what you're internalizing right? And that's what I'm challenging in you. But instead of actually thinking about, you know, what you're reading and which authors you're supporting, instead of thinking about that critically, you're just trying to be defensive and tell me that I'm, you know, antagonizing you for reading what you want, which is not the case at all. Period. Yes. Sweet. Oh, thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Did you enjoy yourself? 
Yes, I did. This was amazing. Oh, I didn't even you. know what to expect because you were like, let's come, just come on the podcast with me. I was like, okay, this was really, really fun. This was oh, really fun. thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate your work and the stuff that you talk about and address. So I was like, yeah, especially also as a fellow Trinidadian, I was like, yes, I'm going to get him on here and we are going to discuss <laughs> yes, and talk. Yes. I hope I wasn't too, like, you know, sometimes I could be on, go on a tangent and, like, I could get a little mixed up with, like, you know. No, you were fine. You were fine. Okay. Okay, good. 